Welcome to the future of XYZ. I'm your host, Lisa Grelnick, principal and founder of LVG & Co., an independent strategy consultancy based in New York City. Through quick and candid conversations with innovative leaders, we aim to foster new thinking and explore big questions about where we are as a world and where we're going. Hello, good morning, and welcome to the future of XYZ. Today, we are going to be speaking about a favorite topic of mine, which is architecture and the future of architecture. We are privileged to have two guests today, uh, Elizabeth Kubani, who is the uh, founder of Kubani LLC, which is a full service communications firm specialized in architecture, design and art. Um, and we have Stephen Castle, who is a founding principal at uh, Architecture Research Office, which is a full service design firm, architectural design firm, who does projects, uh, award-winning projects I should uh, include, uh, across art and public works uh, and education and many other uh, uh, areas. So thank you both for being here today. It's a pleasure. Lisa, can I just mention that you said Castle and not Cassell? I don't know if we want to read. Cassell. Stephen Cassell. I ask, I ask to say it correctly and I get it wrong. Okay. It's like, yeah, okay. It happens all the time. <laughs> um, sorry for that. It's an amazing thing how our brains can get hardwired to whatever we have our default. And I guess that leads us nicely into, you know, the default of what we all think about architecture. Um, you know, I think it's so out of touch for so many people. They think of it as an art. I mean, most first and foremost, and yet it's around us all the time. So what is the future of architecture? I mean, you know, what, what's it all about? It's such a big, great, great question. And I've had so much fun thinking about it with Steven over the last couple of weeks. You know, I think the future of architecture actually requires us to really redefine the way we think about architecture. I think we, I think most people just think of architecture as buildings, right? Individual buildings, um, many of them sculptural works of art, as you said, um, rather than instruments of social change and ecological survival, frankly. And that's really the way we should be thinking about architecture. And I think that, you know, in, in changing that definition, that therein lies the future of architecture. Yeah, and I think um, it's really important to realize that whether you like it or not, architecture is a frame for culture and, and it represents things and it can represent uh, negative things and positive things. But we invest so much money in the built environment around us and it has such a incredibly large impact on climate change, negative impact on climate change, both from the materials that uh, make up buildings to, uh, to the energy that they use, that we really have to rethink the goals of what architecture is, not just to uh, enact social change, but uh, to really realize that it has to do five or 10 different things to the benefit, not just to the people's designed for, but to the larger benefit of society. Well, I love that. I mean, I'm, I have to say I'm, sitting in my apartment, um, which has always had these big, vast views. And I have a building that is now going up and it's going up so quickly. Um, I'm in downtown Brooklyn and it's just construction zone nonstop. My building was one of them, you know, six, seven, eight years ago. But this building that I'm watching and many of them are like this, it, it's gonna be 80 some odd stories tall. And they're doing like six floors a week. And what you see in all these buildings is just this like constant input of concrete, of cement trucks going in and in. And you're like, none of these things feel like they're being built to last for a future. 
like like old construction used to be built for a future and you can retrofit and these buildings now feel like they're for the moment so to your point like is that democratized design or what is that you know how does that play into this idea of like you know social social change and uh and and, and environmental you know survival i think i lo- i like those ideas i don't i'm looking at this building and i can't help myself and thinking like it does neither of those things. Yeah, that's yeah. that's probably true. And I think, you know, we can look at, you know, like literally countless examples of buildings, you know, I would say particularly from the past 50 years that really are about a short-term gain. You know, they don't they don't take into consideration the potential for adaptive reuse in the future. They're not, you're not thinking about, there's, they've, you know, they've, they've simultaneously kind of lost a sense of grandiosity as well as losing mm-hmm. any sense of, of the future, you know? And, you know, there's, it's such an, you know, it's such an important, it's such an interesting point. Like I, you know, I was speaking to Stephen earlier this week and saying that, you know, we went before, before times, right? Before the pandemic, um, I went on a gallery tour in West Chelsea and, walking around that neighborhood, I sort of had the sense like, "Mm, this sort of feels like New York, but I could be anywhere, you know, there's, it's almost, that whole neighborhood is like a petting zoo for fancy architecture. Absolutely. You know, sort of big name architects. All the architects. Right, one of my least favorite words, but I'm glad you brought it up because it's very relevant here, right? And um, you know, they, they've, they've each built a building, a monument to something, themselves or the developer, whoever. Lots of them are empty. The streets feel, the streets, streets feel absolutely desolate around there. They're not accessible to most people, mm-hmm. right, at all. The buildings don't, don't, they don't relate to one another and they don't relate to the city, right? They're each, they're each a thing unto themselves. So that is like kind of back to that point of architecture as an individual building is absolutely the wrong way to think of it. Like if, if suddenly architecture is some kind of a vessel for our humanity, an empathetic vessel for our humanity, but also a cell that's a part of a larger organism that then makes up a city, a town or a community, it's a it's a completely it's a hundred and eighty degree difference difference in the way we're thinking about these things. Right. And yeah, yeah. Also goes to the sorry, Stephen. It also goes to the point about who architecture is for, right? You know these these buildings that are just you know in that particular instance of West Chelsea, probably the building next to you that's going up, a condo for wealthy people. Again, you know, you, it's no wonder that probably ninety nine percent of the world thinks architecture doesn't matter to them. Absolutely, and they're getting and they're getting tax abatements from the cities to keep building them for people who can't afford them. That's right, but not the majority of cities. Yeah, but I want to, uh, you know, there's tons of buildings being built that aren't by Stark. Text there, you know, we I just came off a, a Zoom call about a new school that uh, we're looking to uh, that we're actually about to start design in the beginning of January. And there's questions of how do you make a school that serves Central Brooklyn really represent the community and um, uh, really create a sense of place for that community that doesn't have. Um, you know, the old New York City school buildings really are a lot about visual control and safety. Um, and really, uh, in some ways, are oppressive to the communities they serve. So just the individual, you have to think about the architecture at different scales. There's a scale of the people within the building and that institution and the cultural goals and the uh, institutional goals and how you can support that, and hopefully they're good goals. Then you jump out and how is the community woven into that 
those set of goals and how can it support the community because the people coming in obviously are part of that community. And then you jump out to the scale of the neighborhood or the city and then how is it helping on that own? And then really jump out to the scale of the future of how are we dealing with issues of sustainability and, and you know the climate change crisis that we have? How are we making sure that all buildings should do no harm just fundamentally, um, and all buildings should make people better and make communities better. I, I love that. And I actually, you know, I think about the future that you've just described in, two, in kind of two ways. You have the future of the buildings themselves, right? And of that built environment and the city that it creates. But what you got to is like a building is created for the people who utilize it, whether that's residential or commercial or public. It is also therefore created for their future lives, right? Like a kid who grows up going to school, the influence of that building and he and his family, right? And on the community at large has an impact on their future. So in fact, the future of architecture is of the built world, but it is also of the urban planning and the design of individual buildings and the way that everything culturally comes together and environmentally comes together to build the future of the human beings who utilize the built, the, the architecture. Is that, is that fair? That's fair. Yeah, and it's the people that, you know, but, you know, but it is, I would also say that people, there's a set number of people who utilize any given building on any given day or in any given year. There is, there are exponentially more people who may interact with that building by walking by it, by exactly. By buying something at the bodega and the you know whatever who see it on the skyline or the public space that it provides mm -hmm. around the, and outside of the building. Correct, and you know and so that's that's something that you have to take into consideration as well. I mean I think you know what Stephen what Stephen raises is I for me kind of what I grapple with every day as a PR person who works in architecture, you know the kinds of work that the media tends to focus on is the opposite of what we're advocating for here, right? They, they are looking at the work of the architects, the, the sort of the big, the forms, right? The buzz. The bill bouts. What did you say? The buzz. The bu right, and you know, what is, what is that thing that's going to leap off the page? And I think what, what we're saying is that, you know, the kinds of work that we should be interested in, the kinds of work that we should be promoting, the kinds of work that we should be reading more about is the work that's more complex that maybe is a little less, you know, zoomy sort of in terms of the way it appears on on page of a magazine, um, and that just has a, a much more profound sense of all kinds of responsibilities, social, economic, environmental, etc. Um, and it requires us, I think, to collectively tell a different kind of story about architecture, and to be willing to not only to not only tell that story but to listen to that story as well. A story that isn't so easily consumed. Mm -hmm. I think, um, uh, you know, it's not that I think our building should be beautiful and, oh, and yeah. um, form should, uh, should, you know, and that's, we're not saying form isn't important and beauty is important. I think beauty is part of the culture uh, and how it, uh, and also sends messages. There's symbols within buildings themselves. But we're saying it's, it is it is a, a sort of complex organism. If you almost think of, you know, a really wonderful novel that has so many plots and ideas layered into it uh, over uh, uh, over the course of the novel, that, that it is complex and it can't be broken down into these small things. And if you think of it oversimplified in the design process, then you still have people in engaging the building in complex ways, but maybe, you know, you're undermining 
the best that you can get out of that uh, that design, the best you can get out of architecture. Uh, there's so, I mean, there's so many directions that this conversation could go. I mean, from the technical of like, what's the future of the technical build world? I mean, the, the tools and the materials mm -hmm. like that. There's also, um, I think, a, a question here in my mind that you guys keep kind of, I, I'm not saying you're dancing around it, but it, it feels to me like city planning, urban planning, the role of government in partnership in urban development and not just urban, suburban, rural, whatever, mm -hmm. exurban is so important. The infrastructure piece of this, as well as the, the planning guidelines. Can we touch on those two things each as, as you guys feel comfortable? Sure, I mean, the infrastructure, um, again, I think that when you're investing money in things, it needs to do at least four or five things really well. If you're making a highway, if you're making uh, uh, a sort of, you know, a bus station, whatever piece of infrastructure, a train station, it can't just do the immediate job, right? Because you're putting so much into it and there's so much opportunity for it to do more. So you really need checklists. Is, is it operating on as many levels in the most positive way, um, uh, in a way to both benefit society as well as the day-to-day -day intended use? I love that. I love that. And do we see a future shift in kind of the, the way that we get guidelines and guidance on that from, from government? Or is this really gonna be beholden on the developers and the, and the designers? I mean, I think that is, um, it's, it's changing in ways, right? Like we see, you know, new laws around environmentalism, right? Like think of things like local law 97, right? Which, or, you know, there's, there's any one of a number of laws we could point to, but the fact is that those kinds of things come in piecemeal ways, right? There's, there's something on the environment, there may be something on equity, there's something on something else, right? And I think it's, I personally think that there's going to have to be a shift in the profession and probably even like thinking about the way architects are educated that moves them towards the realization that they are, they, architecture equals citizenship, right? That, that, that mm -hmm. kind of becomes that simple, right? That, that the role of the architect is so critical and so important to the way our lives are shaped, right? There's that famous Winston Churchill quote about, you know, we shape, we shape our buildings and thereafter they shape us, right? That is, so, you know, that is, that, that, look, that kind of thing has always driven me, right? As a student of architecture and now in my career, like the importance of architecture for me cannot be overstated. So to be able to teach architects in that way, right? That it is no longer just about aesthetics, right? I read a quote from a dean in thinking about this interview that said aesthetics are out and equity is in. And I actually don't agree with that, right? I think equity is in. I don't think aesthetics should ever be out. But the point is that aesthetics are not it, right? Aesthetics, yeah. every, all of this has to happen and it has to happen under the umbrella of aesthetics. It's, it's like what you were saying in West Chelsea, right? I mean, it's like, yeah. it, it, it's like it can't just be the design. The design on its own for the aesthetic output, which is what most human beings think about architecture as, That's right. right? And beauty, yeah. beauty has to matter and beauty has to be accessible, right? And that's what, that's what I see where the, where the shift I think has to happen. And so it's a, it's, a, it's a lot of a mindset, I think that the architect has to bring. And yes, maybe they have to bring the client along with them, but there are also very enlightened clients who are already thinking this way. Yeah. Um, so it is, it's, it is happening, right? It's just happening in small ways. I think people, are just increasingly realizing that our resources are not unlimited, 
and you know their financial resources, natural resources, temporal resources, all human resources, all of them, all of them, right? They are not unlimited, and and you know architecture has to contribute to the solution, or else it's part of the problem. And I think uh -huh. it's not that simple. Right. Yeah, no, I, I I couldn't agree more. There there is this thing. Um, in architecture, I think that is really unfair, and I'll say unfair, which is the education. Um, and you touched on it a little bit. I mean, architects have to study, and I know this personally because, for whatever reason, I've I, I have a lot of architects in my life. Um, I've always thought it's because they're both equally left and right-brained, and I am also, but I don't know the reason other than that. My great grandmother was an architect, so maybe. Um, but I think the education. What's that? She must have been an early architect. Yeah. She was the uh, she was the first female professional landscape architect in the country. Wow! And she designed the gardens at Mount Vernon, oh like the redesign. I, I was just reading about her. That's crazy. Okay, sorry, but that that's off topic. But that's fine. That's, we're we're gonna we're gonna go. Her her maiden name is my middle name, so we'll 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 come back to that. <laughs> but yeah, no, it's always been in my life. But I think it's a, the education is so unfair. The tech, the continuous education, while it's necessary from the technical standpoint, I get it. No other, I mean, other than what, like. I don't know, lawyers, doctors, Med maybe? Medicine, doctors. Yeah. yeah, doctors have that. And yet the, yes. the divide between your liability and your income from an architect, right. unless you're a star architect, no, sorry, Stephen, I don't mean to like put you on the spot on this one, but, but it's just not reasonable. Like, do we see a future of architecture when it becomes more democratized that you also get some reward for the architects and the incredibly important role that they're playing in the built world and which is the world and our lives? I, well, I guess I'm going to jump one step behind that for a second and say expanding the role of who is an architect mm. right now, right? And I think that, that architecture is a really narrow profession right now. In order to do architecture that really represents the people they're designing for, you need a much more diverse group of people doing so. And connected with that, we need, you know, need to, to um, uh, make sure they can make a living wage and they can make money and that they're properly compensated for the work that they do. Um, and so that's a sort of expanding, uh, a more expansive role, both of what we're demanding from the built environment um, and the people who, who uh, are, are designing it. Yeah, totally fair, totally fair. I think part of it is a, in part of the conversation and really my life's work is about educating people on the importance of architecture and therefore the importance of the architect, right? And that, you know, and be, because architecture is so misunderstood, I think there is this, particularly in this country, I mean, there are countries in the world and Japan comes to- comes Germany. To Germany, Italy, right? Where the architect is, re, is revered. And I don't mean that to sound like idol, idolatry in any way, but like no. there's an understanding, like just in the way that we understand that medical doctors have our lives in their hands, to a certain extent, architects do too, right? And, and the, you know, the buildings they build can quite literally kill you, right, if they're not done well, but they can also hurt your soul, right, if they're not done or, well. Or, or expand your possibility. Right, right, or the opposite, right? And so, you know, you know, trying to, you know, through my work, make that clearer mm -hmm. has been what's driven me, right, for so many years. But I think, um, you know, I, I, I think you're, you know, you're right that like that, ha that really does have to change at a certain point because there is a huge gulf between the, the responsibility that comes with being an architect and the way architects are respected and compensated. 
Absolutely. Well, I'm watching time. And again, another, yet another topic I could geek out on for, for hours and hours. Um, is there anything else as we think about the future of architecture? Is there a time in the future, 20 years, 50 years, 100 years, when you guys hope that we can achieve it and look back and say, we really achieved these things that we are talking about today and what that looks like? Well, I think the time because of uh, climate change, the time is now for some things. You literally be, you know, uh, buildings use 40% uh, are responsible for 40% of the carbon in the United States. The time is now to start in that. I, and one hopes within five or 10 or 15 years with some of the conversations that have been happening this summer as, as well, that, that uh, architecture really moves to a more expansive understanding of its role and, and uh, its importance. That's great. Cool. I guess I would just answer that by saying that I think we'll, you know, when we start to see fewer of the kinds of projects where you can just look at them and say, a lot of money was a lot of money and a lot of materials were wasted on that, you know, um, to a time where we see buildings that feel like they give back to us rather than just taking, right? Where there's just a, di a different kind of a model, a regenerative model instead of an extractive model. Um, you know, when we start to see that being the majority of buildings built, then I think we'll be in a good place. Excellent. You guys, both of you, Stephen, Elizabeth, thank you so much for joining me on Future of XYZ and talking about the future of architecture. It was enlightening, and I really look forward to that future. It's, it's a good one to be more inclusive, uh, to take care of social, and to take care of environmental. It's really the only path. Thank you so much for having yeah. us. I Thank you. It was only 15 minutes, but it went, it was so fun. <laughs> yeah, it was really fun. Thank you. Good. Thank you guys. Thanks okay. Bye. Thanks for listening to the future of XYZ. If you like what you've been hearing, please follow Lisa Grelnick on LinkedIn. Visit future-of.xyz or subscribe to the future of XYZ podcast on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you get your podcasts.